This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Our true nature is simple and beautiful. Thoughts are complicated and intricate. Learn to know the difference. Our true nature is always present in each moment, as it is now. We didn't create it, and we can't stop it. Yet we've been taught that what we can't perceive with our mind and senses is not real. That intuition is unreliable, and living like this is dangerous, immature, and irresponsible. The truth is contrary to this. Our thoughts and understandings are by their very nature temporary and fragile. They come from the assumption that we can actually know or control things. And so we defend, attack, withdraw, and even kill or die for these beliefs. But when we do, the essence of our true spirit is brutally pushed aside and we lose so much of life. Valeria Tellez interviews Ruth Bar Shalev, the author of What Really Is? How Would Life Look If We Knew That We Are Not Our Thoughts? Ruth Bar Shalev is a student disciple, coach and coaching teacher, leader of innovative projects whose time has come, writer, creator, mother of four and grandmother of three, almost 60 years old. Ruth has been coaching for the past 30 years and is one of the pioneers of coaching in Israel. She has led and facilitated breakthrough processes in many different fields, working with the military, women's organizations, the Israeli Ministry of Education, and on inter-Arab Jewish relations, both in Israel and abroad. Ruth has coached thousands of people, hundreds of businesses, startups and state institutions, and trained dozens of coaches. For the past 18 years, she has developed a way of coaching and named it the art of what really is. For the past three years, she has been writing and has published the book, What Really Is, alongside a rich website whose vision and beauty emerged from a life journey, a journey that seeks truth in her personal life, in the life of her loved ones, and of the people she had and has the privilege to coach. The knowledge which is at the core of all of Ruth's work wishes to enable a person to remember the wisdom with which we are born, the wisdom of the soul, and to live it in each and every moment and situation. The book, the website, and especially the coaching of The Art of What Really Is teaches a person to distinguish between his or her true nature and his or her thoughts and the reality their thoughts present to them. True knowledge is motion, a new vision being revealed, and not fixed ideas and conclusions. 
Therefore, it requires a high level of devotion, of giving oneself over, so that the motion, the art of life, can reveal itself. Meet Ruth at whatreallyis.com. Here is the interview with Ruth Barshalev. In your own words, who is Ruth Barshalev? I think that is one of the most difficult questions you could ask me. <laughs> so true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I think that um, I can say that I am a true seeker of the truth, not looking for the answers, but looking to like bathe in the truth, give myself to it. And then through that, or thanks to that, Life just takes me, and the path just reveals itself, and that is true in everything I do. That sounds really wonderful. How did you find this understanding, Ruth, of living what this is, what we call life? I think that one of the things that uh, I found out is that I was... You know, I was very efficient when I was young and I was very into controlling things and seeing them, you know, come out as beautiful results, as achievements, as fulfillments. But when I did that and when I was then coaching in a more traditional way, I saw that we were really succeeding and that the people I was coaching were really achieving what they dreamt to achieve, and they were continuing to have results that were even unprecedented, but they became more and more haunted by the fact that they are, uh, they have to reach, they have to achieve, they have to do, and if they don't have the next level of achievement, you know, in front of their eyes, they don't have a vision to reach, then they are nothing. And with that, they also were very, were like, they became addicts. And I was helping them to become addicts, addicts of achievements and value. And before we really understood what was happening, I just knew that that, that could not be it. And from there, I stopped, uh, in, I stopped totally what I was doing. And I was swimming a lot because I did not know what to do. And I had the feeling that something has to be washed away from me. And while I was in the pool swimming with my head in the water, I understood that uh, I was looking from the outside at what really was happening, trying to understand, analyze, and comprehend, and then even, you know, crack the code. But actually, nature was much, much smarter. And if I listened to it, when we were talking then about transformation, we were talking about butterfly, you know, going through all its phases, and then from cocoon to, to a real butterfly, 
but we were not listening to the truth. We were seeing the shape, the form, but we were not listening to its nature and its obedience to its nature and its nature, nature's higher knowledge. And the minute we go against our nature or we don't obey and abide, then we find ourselves really um, mm. in trouble. Wow. Ah, it really resonates true. I guess the question that comes is, is this a spiritual belief system? Is this a, a spiritual path? Would you call this spirituality? Actually, I don't. Uh, and maybe that is the fundamental. That's why it's so difficult for me to say what Ruth is or who she is or what I do, because actually the the truth or what really is, is happening not in the realm of understanding and not in the realm of um, not only a system or a method, but also some kind of an orderly fashion or orderly sequence. And actually it, it happens when we drop those and we stop being attached to those and we don't find, we don't find and we don't look for a way of doing things. But on the contrary, we don't look for a way and we, sometimes I like to call it linger and sometimes dwell in the tension, sometimes looking like a vacuum between me and the shape that I've grown to believe that was me, between the nature of all things and the way I've grown to believe that uh, the world is calling it by names, uh, looking at, his, at it as a form, as a sequence, as a, as a thing. When I think about what is happening now, this, this voice that I hear, the voices and everything I see, it goes back to what do you call natural wisdom or nature. You refer to nature. That makes so much sense to me that we are not separate from nature. Actually, we are nature too. Everything, when I look at a tree, flower, this is what we are as well. Mm -hmm. it's, there's no separation. There's no difference, really. But it feels like there is a big difference, that we are superior somehow because we have the ability to think and to create all these things around here that we see in this reality. So what is the purpose of being a human being? Is this something that some believe we have chosen to be here as contract energy? You talk to me for a moment about that. How did this come to be here in the human body? First of all, I think that for some reason, God needs us. And I don't feel that uh, I can or should know why. Because the minute I, I think that I understand that, I look at it as a project or as a purpose, which makes me a thing trying to become or demanding myself to become or wishing to become that thing that I should be. But if I am aware of the fact that for some reason unknown to me, uh, God needs me. And in a way, 
he wishes me to be, then what I am is actually much more like revealing myself to myself in a sense that is not egoistic or individual as an individual separated entity, but thanks to everything that is here, and again, without understanding why, because we can explain almost everything. Our mind, our minds is very conditioned to explain and to find a reason and to condition and to, you know, the mind grasps everything like a puzzle. And it is not like a puzzle. It's, it's a mystery. So I think that our ability to think was given to us so that we can become aware of the magnificence of this creation and to to glorify not only with prayers or even not especially with prayers, but how would I look at another person if I glorify the creation of God or the creation of everything here, and I see this person as a manifestation of that creation instead of an individual or a person with certain qualities or character. How would I look at at, uh, giving birth when I look at it from, from understanding that there is this mystery here that is way wiser and beautiful than I could ever grasp with my mind, but mysteriously, I am also it. So how would that look? How would death look? If I know that I'm one with everything and that my ability to think should be uh, like a way to glorify and to to manifest this in an infinite number of ways, this wisdom. You mentioned God. That's interesting because before I asked you about spirituality and then you said, no, this is not really something that is, you don't call it spirituality, but the word God is very much connected to religion, not just spirituality, the idea of what that is, but also religious uh, thoughts and mm-hmm. ideas, concepts. So how do you fit the word God into all this? That was an interesting to hear you say that. When I say God, and I don't really mean this God that religion is talking about. Spiritual people, yes, uh, they might also, of course, be religious, but not the way religion, any religion, grasps God. Because the way that I feel or the way that I know God is not by, not by his name and not by his powers and not by his, the way that he is in the world in the sense of like an entity that's very strong and very influential and very powerful and very demanding and, but on the contrary, someone that is more like the earth that we walk on, the air that we breathe, the thing that gives life to everything 
and that life comes back to it. The thing that is ever here and never ceases to be here, that is ungraspable by the mind and the senses, but yet allows our mind to be and allows our senses to be. So that's the God that I'm talking about. And it's uh, sometimes I use the word God because it feels right. And sometimes I use the word nature or laws of nature. And sometimes I use the word mystery. And sometimes I use the word love because I Mm. think they they are the same. Another question I have for you is about the idea of choice. I love the way you speak about being a seeker that is not seeking anything. So is that mm-hmm. paradox, which is um, definitely the nature of this, any conversation or anything actually in here in this reality or what seems to be a reality, it's a paradox. I mean, I call it the dance, which you call a dance too, I, I read in your book. <laughs> the idea of choice, Ruth, um, how can one choose if there's just one thing happening in so many different ways. So talk to me about choice for a moment. There is no. <laughs> right. Meaning, <laughs> meaning actually that um, we're actually not choosing. We are actually stopping to, and um, we don't resist anymore. When we don't resist, when we're not there for something and we don't think that I know, when I don't think that I know why I am here, I am now free and present in a way that the spirit can, like we're talking about the dance, but now I'm talking about playing on it's like I'm, I'm an instrument. And since I'm very ungeared or untuned to something that I choose to do, then what really happens is that I am so present without any intention that the spirit can play a tune on me. And while this is happening, I find myself speaking words that I don't know why I'm saying. I find myself doing things that I don't know exactly why this is what I am doing. But since I am totally present, since we are totally present there, the next phase, the next step shows itself to me. And the oneness is very present because then I'm synchronized with everything in an absolutely perfect way that cannot ever be achieved by people coordinating or wishing to find a way to do things together. Okay, even if they love each other and even if they really mean this and even if they give it everything that they have because our thought can only, the way that we think, can only come after something is being recognized or done. It's like, it's a description of something that has already been thought. While when I'm doing what I was just describing this, doing 
not come it doesn't stem from my knowledge and my intention then me being fully present allows this to be very accurate and in a way outside of time and in a way the most efficient accurate beautiful thing that we can do at that moment what a fascinating illusion isn't it the idea of choice because it really feels like mm-hmm. it is real most of us believe that we are controlling life that we are creating mm-hmm. life and all that but then the way you speak it makes so much sense in a way we just become aware that whatever we are doing it's just life doing it <laughs> and there's exactly. there's no one doing anything but and what is amazing that with that realization then i feel that tension and pain and stress or most mm-hmm. of it it's gone it lessens it's not mine anymore i think that's what it is i have no ownership of what's happening so it's this merging back with life and it's the most amazing thing but sometimes it does feel constricted and restricted mm-hmm. the energies like mm-hmm. i own something i own the pain i own whatever is happening and then something in me kind of expands again it's almost like this that's the dance between contraction and expansion that's what it feels like ruth this movement exactly and it's also while we really dance you know most people don't dance like this but <laughs> yeah <laughs> when we really dance then we actually cease to exist the music is there the motion is there there is something that is moving me that but it is not me deciding or making a choice or there's no intention there's just me giving myself over to that thing that is there and when we are like that then actually clarity and beauty and higher wisdom take over and we can celebrate them but there's no you know one of the things that i've been looking at a lot is the 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 amount of people the number of people that are anxious that anxiety really takes a very a great toll in their lives and i've I, i've been looking at that a lot and inquiring into why is that and i think as you were saying when we think that we need to be in control and when we think that we need to make a choice and that we need to make the right one then this responsibility uh, is so so great because I, actually there is no chance that i would take everything that i need to take into account and then really see how this life works and know it well enough to make those choices but if i give myself over to that thing that is always there and has been always there then i can i can really rest in in the palm of god or in the palm of nature and just and then really act you know we we can do great things and we are doing 
great things. But the more we give ourselves over, the greater they would be, the more magnificent they would be, the more anew they will be. Right. And everything then transforms. So true. And even this idea of giving ourselves to, it's an illusion, isn't it? Because we have right. been life itself. It's actually realizing that there was never a person here doing anything. And that realization is incredible. It's a very challenging one for so many of us, isn't it, to realize that no one is doing anything here. It's just life yeah. dancing its dance. Uh, it's just incredible, but it feels like that's you talk about in the book. And speaking of the book, so let me mention it again. Yeah, you wrote the book. What really is? How would life look if we knew that we are not our thoughts? Question mark. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and, if I can use the word, intention to write your book. Mm -hmm. I was asked to write this book by my by people whom I've been coaching for many years and have been part of my life. We've created new things together. We've started projects that aim to bring this into real life, into decision makers, into to allow people who are creating, people who are leading, people who are with integrity asking what is asked of them now to bring that forth. So I was asked to. Actually, I really didn't want to because as we were saying today, the minute we put things into a shape, there's a very great danger that these shapes becomes the thing itself or that we, we mistake it to be uh, the thing itself and not the thing that it gives witness to, what it conveys. And uh, then it becomes like a new method or a new something. But then I could also see, and that was a revelation for me, that if I, you know, it's like when you paint an icon, not uh, not in, in uh, an icon, uh, uh, a holy painting. You paint it with with prayer and fasting, because the way that you paint it is carrying the message or carrying actually the light that allows people looking at it to realize that they themselves are light. So again, I could see that if I'm writing this from the awareness of what we've been talking about here, the awareness that we are not a thing and that we are not controlling that we are not our minds and we are not a thought. It's not, it's not only that we are not our thoughts, we are not a thought. Then what are we? And that's, that was the, I, I had a feeling that I need, needed to go abroad and I went to Cyprus. And there in three weeks, I've been writing from day to night. Just, you know, it was just like, some kind of a climax to a whole, you know, like something like 30 years of work. And it needed to just be 
laid down and shown. So that was writing the book. And then from there, it went on because it was it's the book, but then there's also the website. And one of the things that we've been doing in, in the website was actually looking, creating a new dictionary because words and language are so fundamentally affecting our lives. The way we speak, the meaning of the words, and also what we think that we are doing while speaking. Am I, am I defining and closing and um, deciding? Or am I grateful? Am I like doing art? Am I letting this show me the way? And the speech then comes from silence and not from intention. So mm-hmm. that was my, that was how I came to write this book. You also have developed a coaching that's called The Art of What Really Is. Talk to me about that. Is that something that we can find online and you coach one-on-one, also in person, groups, corporations? This uh, happens mostly one-on-one, which is actually the place where I feel that the mystery can reside I am just going into the motion and then while I give myself over, the the mystery is there. And when there is another person there, which I have the privilege to coach, then very quickly this is happening. And then from there we pick it up. It's like this takes over and this mystery conducts the coaching. The coaching is, it's a session that actually listens to the mystery and actively inquires very simply the difference between how the world looks and how I look and understand myself when I am thinking, when I look at things through my mind and what happens and what I see when I don't. So it's, it's a very, it's a very beautiful, simple, and yet mysterious thing that's happening. I also work with groups that actually, you know, that there there is in astronomy, there is this shape that's called the eye of God. And it's the, it's a constellation of stars and galaxies. And I feel that that's what's happening in the, when I coach groups to me and to them. It's like we become the center of centers where, you know, where the atom is empty. There's no substance there, but yet everything is there. Everything originates from there. So then also friction stops. And as you said, pain and greed, they stop. And then something that's very, very beautiful and very simple and many times very easy because there is no, there is no arguing. There is no, there's no friction. So then it's just, it's a motion that shows itself and you walk the way that it shows itself. So that's the, 
that's the way to go about it. And also, as I said in the website, we've developed other kinds of experiences that can, through art, through engaging with news, not thinking that we are thoughts, uh, how do we read news from there? How do we see humanity thinking of itself or revealing itself to itself? A lot there. And that in itself, this exploration of the mystery, is just worth, isn't it, being here? <laughs> just mm. the exploration of it, of what it is. It's just, what else is here to do, really? I don't see anything more interesting than that, more fun than exploring the unknown, the mystery. And when you talk about the feelings, emotions, yeah, they do seem to become much less, let's say, it seems like something in here gives less attention to that, to um, negative mm-hmm. emotions and, uh, and the stress, anxiety, all that, that before I used to give a lot of attention to. But that doesn't go away, really. It's still here. The way you teach or the way you pass this wisdom forward Acknowledge that too, Ruth, that this is something that it's unconditional, isn't it? Unconditional life. So everything could happen and everything is happening. <laughs> We can't really push away anything mm-hmm. or no one can, not, nothing can. It's just this amazing happening that can be stopped. Right. But I think that the most important thing here, and that also may be coming back to the art of what really is, The question of what is really happening to me while this is happening? What does it do or what does it say about my true self or my true nature? Because we are moved, we are conditioned by those thoughts that if someone does something to me, like for example, is angry at me or wants to take something away from me or takes my place or does not see me or does not love me, then of course I am, you know, and you can fill the blank. But that is not true. It is absolutely not true. Because as as an Indian very wise man said to me once, You must understand that when a person tells you that he loves you, he's saying something about himself. Don't take it personally. <laughs> it is very nice because uh, actually yeah. what it said <laughs> to me is we are here mm. to explore love in the, in the sense of understanding that we are love and that everything that happens will show me that I am love. Not because I would be patient or a good person or with good intentions, but because that is my nature. And if I let life really touch me, if I breathe in life, and if I let it do to me whatever it does to me, and I mean whatever it does to me, and I will ask the question, what really happened to me? What did it really do to me? I would see that my true nature of being love, not loving, but being love and being one with everything will be what I will see 
after I would face anger or fear because I would believe that something would happen to me, is happening, is happening to me. And it is not. Things can be done to me, but my true nature, which is always here, cannot ever be changed or darkened or nothing can suffocate it or mm. take it away. I mean, I have to say yes for that. <laughs> and at the same time, I wonder if a whole in the human body navigate this reality, this reality without this feeling of separation, because it is a feeling that it's also present. It's not something that we can push away. It really feels true, <laughs> real, <laughs> that I'm mm-hmm. here, you're there, there's, I'm hearing your voice, and I'm hearing my own voice, which is another separation, and all these things around me, they really look real, and they seem to affect whatever uh, this is, the body. If I, for example, eat unhealthy foods, and then the body gets sick. So for most of us human beings um, navigating this uh, paradox of reality and what's real and what's not, is that possible to not feel separated from our true nature, from what we really are, Ruth? I think that one of the things that we should realize is that we don't want to stop seeing or feeling something. Mm, yeah. Trying to prevent something is again entering this game of control. But if I am feeling this exactly as you described, if I am feeling separated or I am feeling like a different entity, then I should ask the question, I, I'm invited to ask the question, what is it that, what, what can I see if this is not true? If I, if I give you an example, I'm coaching people right before they enter the operation room like the surgery, I mean, or when they get chemo. And when I coach them, even while they're taking the chemo, what I'm coaching them is to acknowledge or to realize this this realm or dimension where whatever is entering their body is not poison but that when they bless it and they really bless not in a religion a religious uh, manner but are happy to have this acknowledge the privilege that they have by entering this into their bodies then what it becomes is light and then the way the body receives that the way the wisdom of it entering wherever it should, doing whatever it should do, is much, much higher. The the healing of after an operation, after surgery, becomes much more easy and almost, you know, it's happening in a way that doctors can't explain because it is not, it is not, understood to be something alien or something that is exterior that's happening to me and then I need to find a way to be with it or to deal with it Mm. instead of 
becoming one with it. And by blessing it or by feeling grateful that it is possible and really wanting this, then it becomes me or it becomes it. Right. I love the way you kind of, the metaphors you use, you, you use the river as a metaphor for our true nature mm -hmm. and what it is. It's beautifully written. That's in chapter two. I have it here. And then you also have another chapter that you sent it to me or you recommended for this interview. It was about living the truth. That was the introduction mm -hmm. of that and synergy and how it works, living in synergy. And you mm -hmm. talk about natural laws of how things are or what really is. So you make the distinction which you have been talking about. And then you talk about interesting things, chapter four, uh, the sphere of three lenses, stabilizing the responsibility and in totality. Uh, and I would love to ask you more questions about that, but I have those ending questions. Before that, I would like to mention that you are writing two more books, like Breathing. I love that title too. And the other mm -hmm. one is titled All Men. So those two books mm -hmm. will be coming up soon. And you're also working on different projects, From Memory to Peace, A Woman Call for Peace, and then A Women's Appeal. They all sound mm -hmm. very interesting, like everything you speak about. It's um, not just interesting. They sound really enlightening and peaceful. And you use that word. It's You sound very peaceful as a piece of life. <laughs> and mm -hmm. let's see, Ruth, I have those ending questions, but before that, would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? Actually, I have chosen the, the part about the river because for me, this it's the essence of the whole book. When we talk about the natural laws, they come from that. When we talk about not being a thought, it comes from that. So I thought I would read just like, the river is always there. It is a place from which we come and to which we will return. It is that which is in constant motion but never really changes. It is the source, the digit preceding zero, that which is found before the beginning, that which allows everything to begin. Everything rushes forth from it and yearns to return to it. It is truth. It is the fundamental nature of all. Everything is found in it, and it is found in everything. Nothing can darken it. Nothing can empty it of its life and beauty and nothing can extinguish it. It is there by virtue of its being. It is the nature of all things. We've been taught that things take a specific form. We've been taught that all things must end, that there is no choice in the matter and we'll have to make do. We've been told that a responsible person knows that he is responsible for maintaining things as they are for ensuring that they continue to be that way. We've learned that a responsible person knows that what he cannot see or understand does not truly exist. We've learned that the only thing that is real is that which the senses and the mind can grasp, that relying on anything other than this will cause us great pain 
and come at a heavy cost. That is, that it is irresponsible and must be vehemently avoided. The mind does not know what to do with the river. The river is not tangible in the eyes of the mind. It has no substance, no dimensions, and no boundaries. It contains nothing and does not end. It has no name and cannot be proven. From the perspective of the mind, it does not exist. If we insist that it does exist, if we move through this world from inside of it, if our confidence stems from knowing that the river is always there and that there is no price and that nothing really ends, our path will guide by will be guided by ease, simplicity, a wisdom that is both exalted and grounded, silence, beauty, and love. They will radiate, rejoice, and remind us of our true nature, wherever we go. Thank you so much, Ruth, for being you, for being open to life, for, for being present to what is present. Thank you. And Thank you. Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, the website of what really is there, will, you'll find everything. Also the book itself, although it's on Amazon also in uh, available, but you can also find it available free for your use, also audio. When I wrote this book, as I said before, it is... I knew that it was to be given as it is not sold just so that people can enjoy and embrace this, which is not mine, never was mine. Mm. So that's the, that's the beauty of it. Thank you. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ruth Barshalev and her work, please visit whatreallyis.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.